Good afternoon and good evening. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. Want to welcome you back to another edition of Loyalty Live. In this series, we talk to the leading agencies, technology partners, and consultants in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that drive or impact a brand's ability to create unique experiences, enhance customer engagement, but most importantly, drive customer loyalty. Uh, loyalty Lives allows for a deeper uh, analysis of the state of customer loyalty, some of the challenges that we are seeing from brand marketers. Uh, we speak to them on a daily basis. And we like to take these opportunities back to our partner community, partners such as Briarly and Partners, to get their perspective on how to effectively address these. Uh, organizations like Briarly are working to uh, address different challenges in the customer engagement, customer experience, and we think it benefits the brands who are challenged to understand exactly what they are doing. So with that, uh, we have a small series we're doing in November, December, uh, based on some of the trends and opportunities that we saw in uh, at the 2021 Loyalty Expo. Uh, I'm going to talk with some of the partners uh, from that conference. And today we have uh, Don Smith from Briley. How are you, Don? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time, as always, to talk to us. It's always uh, informative to hear from you. Uh, first question I have for you. A couple of weeks ago, last week uh, at the Loyalty Expo, you know, what was it like to be back among loyalty professionals again? It was great. I think everyone has missed that face-to-face contact. And there have been some good virtual conferences. There's no question about that. And the technology adapted to make those better. But there is nothing like the real thing. That energy, when there's been a good presentation and people get excited about what's been communicated, the questions are there. People are talking about it afterwards. And I think that 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 fun and that kind of excitement carries over. People are talking in the hallway. They're networking at lunch. And it was just a vibrant, exciting conference with a lot of authentic conversations. There's nothing like it. We need to be back in the in-person world, sharing ideas and building connections with one another. Absolutely. Well, I thought what was interesting too, there was a great deal of buzz within the conference. As you mentioned, people were really engaging. A lot of times you go to conferences, everyone's hiding. It was a little smaller than normal, but, you know, great interaction, great quality, I thought at least. You know, what did you see as some of the trends, topics, uh, you know, that you heard at the conference? Uh, lots of them. And some of them were old familiars and some of them were very new that reflect what's happened in the past year and a half with the pandemic. I think the persistent ones are the things we've heard before, like the two P's, which are personalization and partnerships. And we heard from a lot of brands that were presenting, even those with mature programs that are doing a lot of great things, that they're still really working to get all their ducks in a row and build better data assets and get to personalization at scale. Right. And that focus was really on building out a better single view of customer repository and coming up with tactics to action it. And that that personalization that's authentic is still kind of the brass ring for modern loyalty. Everyone wants it and everyone's sort of marching towards it. But sometimes it feels elusive. And I think partnerships are also a theme, you know, more so now in the in the new world order post-COVID is as brands try to propagate soft benefits and create more out of their program other than just you know, the hard currency and the reward and the, and the core value proposition, they're really trying to serve up some partnership opportunities that are meaningful to their members and demonstrate not affiliate marketing that's designed to generate revenue, but to generate fun things 
that they show for appreciation for their best customers, that those customers say, hey, this is a high perceived value experience. I want this. This is great. And, and I think those two themes persist, Mark. But the second half, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, as I said, the second half of your question is, what are the things that are what were more specific now than we've seen in previous years? Well, almost every brand who presented needed to contextualize what they were talking about um, as part of how do we adapt to the new world order post-COVID? What does the new normal look like? Because they have changing customer expectations. They have changing ways that their customers want to shop and engage their programs. And everyone is recalibrating to do that and looking to do it quickly. And they're doing it um, with a couple of big time challenges right now, supply chain loomed over this. I mean, we can't, you know, you, most retailers were affected in some way by supply and they're having to think about, I've been moving my customers towards their adjacent products and their next best actions. And now I may not have those products or I may not have them in particular markets. And I'm going to have to be really careful about mapping. And this is happening at the same time that brands are facing labor shortages and labor challenges as well. Uh, especially gearing up for holiday. And they're having to look to their programs and their data assets to automate and deliver where human touch might not always be as possible uh, as it was in previous epics. And I think this, this is all very, very interesting. So we're, it's an exciting time as we kind of emerge from this. And I think we all know the new normal will be different. <laughs> um, no, absolutely right. I think partnerships are a huge area of interest that, that we see as well. You know, we've grown the brand community pretty significantly uh, and, and they want partnerships and they, they don't want that affiliate network or they don't want potentially one-off hats, right? Where you may be part of a, a telecom program, right? We're giving significant discounts where there's that walled garden uh, situation as well, because you want to get them over in your program, right? But it's a trial piece. It's a, it's a marketing play. It's not a retention. and It's not uh, a customer experience play. They want the unique foundational piece. Maybe I want to develop a health and wellness partnership, right? So how do I as a grocer go out and get partners that we can align with, right? That we have synergies between our brands and, you know, uh, that, that can make it advantageous for both. And I think there's such a huge area with regard to partnerships. And it's great to hear that, uh, hear that you think that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, folks are thinking about how to make the program do more beyond the transaction, right? It can't just be about a do-get anymore. You need that. It makes the program compelling for sure, but it's about keeping it exciting, injecting these new partnerships, these new benefits, these new opportunities into the mix that will uh, inject a vitality into the program. Absolutely. And I know you gave a presentation on metrics, KPIs. Uh, I think there's also a great deal of interest in metrics and KPIs. Many of the brands that we speak with, you know, they have challenges. They don't have the reporting. They don't have uh, an understanding of what the program cost is, where the program's going. Uh, it, so it makes it hard for them to go to the CFO to get that incremental buy-in on a program or platform or, a, you know, even in, in engaging with an agency. You know, where did you see uh, coming out of your session? You talked a couple of different times about metrics and KPIs. You know, interest, you know, what do you talk about during the session? Yeah, uh, quite a few different things. But, and I, th you know, you always go into this and you're like, I'd like to do a little primer on loyalty metrics, how to measure KPIs. And you're always concerned, is it going to be too basic for some of the audience, right? Because they may be like, check, check. Yes, I'm doing this. And I think the feedback is what I heard from a lot of people about what we presented was, you know, I'm only doing about half of that. And so that was great because we started off just talking about the top line metrics that you need to contextualize your program and benchmark it, right? And we went through those and most people were like, check, check. 
But then we went a little deeper and we talked about if it's a KPI for your program, you need to understand what's driving it. There, there's always an insight beneath the KPI and strong programs and strong data marketers find ways to action those. So we spent a lot of time in that session talking about, yeah, we can measure retention, but it's not just a dichotomous concept. It's not enough to know that this member shopped in year one and came back and shopped in year two. I need to know, did she spend more? Did her product adjacencies change? Did she go deeper into the hierarchy? Or did she start off on the slippery slope to attrition as that moves through? And what products are those customers buying? How are you indexing against your products and services relative to KPIs? And are you looking at the health of your customer file, like in terms of who's going into your bucket? Are the customers and members that you acquired spending more and buying different things than the ones who lapsed out due to attrition? And those are that kind of quality over quantity metric and understanding what's driving the business. Those are the things that let you action KPIs. And so we had a healthy kind of nerdy, technical, but healthy discussion about those things. And then we spent a lot of time talking about how to measure engagement. And specifically, we talked about measuring rational and emotional loyalty. Um, and the challenges therein in that practice. Absolutely. When, feedback, what did you get uh, as feedback? What did you hear as feedback from those who attended the conference uh, with regard to your session, right? Our metrics, KPIs, what were they asking of you after the session? Yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of tactical questions, actually. Like, hey, can you explain this a little bit more? I mean, it was, I really want to go into looking at acquisition, et cetera. And how would I get started in terms of understanding retention migration and customer segment migration? Um, and I had people actually showing me their reporting. Like, can you take a look at this? Does this feel right to you? And I would look at it and go, yeah, it feels right, but it feels like we could do more with it, for example. And I saw a lot of great reports too, but I had a lot of people talking about that, but where people really, so yes, people wanted to calibrate on their top line metrics and how they do them. But I think there was also a lot of interest in brands saying, how can I tackle emotional loyalty? And specifically, we're trying to measure it. I have no idea if we're doing this right or not. Um, how do I get started? How do I make that work? And so I spent a lot of time talking about that and the importance of decomposing rational loyalty from its emotional loyalty counterpart um, in the consumer calculus. Great conversations about that. Absolutely. Uh, when you look at customer loyalty um, and getting control of metrics, KPIs, you know, if you could give you know, brands uh, one piece of advice, one suggestion to help them get control of their metrics, KPIs, what would that be? Um, do an audit, sit down and take a look. And I think it's, it's as simple as this, distill your list down and come up with your top 10. That's what I always say is you may have a lot of measures that are sitting out there and that's great, but tell me what you think the top 10 metrics are for understanding your program. And if it's the top five, that makes sense too. That's step one. But then when you take that list of top 10, Give me the insights. Can you speak to the metric and say, here's why it's important and tracking this metric. This is what we've learned about our customers or our members. And this is how we're actioning it or putting it into practice because we're trying to make it better. Um, and it's really about interrogating the usual suspects is what I call it. You know, you've got top line KPIs, make sure you're going under the covers and really look into what's driving those behaviors so that you can map an action plan against it. And 
And I think also just sitting down with some independent parties is really helpful and having them take a look because usually there are gaps in reporting, right? Um, and there's lots of ways to measure things. And I think just sitting down and having someone go, hey, you know, you're looking at this and this, but I don't see anything around retention velocity or consumer migration and how those products index against those behaviors. And those are the things that are super actionable. So I think get your reporting down, talk about it. And if you can't answer why it's important and what's driving it, you can go deeper in your reporting to make those metrics holler for you. Absolutely. When you look at uh, some of the topics, uh, sessions of the conference, was there a topic or a specific session that stood out to you as being you know, interesting, uh, data-driven, timely, relevant? Yeah. Do I have to pick just one? Because there, I mean, oh. there, there, were, there were several. And uh, my probably my favorite award category. And so, you know, the conference where brands are presenting what they did, it's great. And they have to do it like in a TED talk. Sometimes they have 10 minutes, right, to get through that. Yeah. My favorite award session was the loyalty innovation, um, where you looked at folks that had existing programs, right? They'd been in market, all of those brands that were nominated, and they were great presentations, had existing programs. And I loved hearing what they did to really reinvent them. And I thought it was super competitive. You know, I, my favorite is I'm biased, but it was Hertz is Ryan Mitchell, who spoke about what they did with gold plus rewards coming out of bankruptcy. And the fact that this is one of the first times I've seen someone really make a loyalty program an acquisition vehicle into their brand. You know, they, they literally started new members at their, uh, their five-star tier in their loyalty program. And they gave them immediate status and they hooked up lots of great benefits to all their existing members too. And I think that's exciting. At the same time, they were doing all this other stuff like getting Teslas signed on and they're going to have that huge feat. They've got Tom Brady, um, you know, as their spokesman. But I think it was just that transformation. And there were other great presentations in that category. So I think the loyalty innovation really stood out for me. Um, and then it was, the other thing is we heard from underpenetrated verticals for loyalty. And it's always been a mystery to me. Like anyone who's been to the United Kingdom knows that the grocery loyalty market is so developed and it's so structured and it, there's such high expectations around it. And we, for the most part, don't have that in the US. If you think about the major grocery chains, a lot of those loyalty offerings are anemic and they're boring. Um, they're giving you things like 10 cents off a gallon of gas when you spend $100. And that's just not driving a cruel stretch or incentivizing share shift. You know, and I thought the Hannaford presentation, not our client, but uh, John Giacomo, I think was his name, just was fantastic. He talked through it. And here's a brand. Maybe everyone hasn't heard of them. They're not huge, but they've created real full scale authentic loyalty. Uh, and they're doing all of the blocking and tackling and pulling all of the levers. I thought that was great. And it should be inspiration that loyalty can work in that vertical and that category. And I thought that was that was pretty exciting. No, I agree. They, they, they do some unique work. Uh, you know, they're active within uh, Loyalty 360. And, you know, he, he took some pretty uh, big challenges when he launched that program, went all digital, right? Where the grocery yeah. is F FSI based, it's more, it, it's different. He he did it and he, they, they have a reward structure. It's not just earning for fuel rewards, right? Which can be effective, but, you know, they, 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 they have a unique program and he completely resigned it. And just, you know, the expectation of the program, he far exceeded that. And, and, and plus where they are, Maine and New Hampshire and, uh, and Mass, I mean, it's, they have an older, older constituency too. And he thought, uh, going all digital is going to be a hard transformation, but they, they knocked it out of the park and you're right, they do a great job. 
Yeah, they really did. And, you know, I know we talked about partnerships, Mark, but I thought the partnership presentations were among the best that I've seen as well. Um, and it's just because people are innovating in so many different ways. I mean, the brand that took home the platinum, Uyghur Qatar, you know, has built this coalition in that relatively small country that has so many partners. I think everyone had to kind of be gobsmacked by how much they put together. Um, and similarly, I think the Ball Harbor Shops Access Program uh, put together a really neat set of folks and Ally uh, Financial also was doing some great things that we don't typically think of a bank doing. Uh, that they did. And so you watched like those presentations and you were like, Matt, they should all win because there was just tremendous innovation in that category. Absolutely. I think you're right. Um, next question. Was there something that you thought you were going to see that you didn't or something that you saw they didn't think you were going to see? You know, if it was, I think What's interesting is I thought we were going to hear a lot of folks talking about adoption of emerging technologies. You know, I'm still waiting for the conference where people start showcasing and we incorporated facial recognition. We've got these new automation or robots that have come in or we've gone all in on natural language processing and text and sentiment and body analysis. And we're using cameras for planogramming and getting flow through. And there was a little bit of that, but that was not the primary thematic. If you talk to the brands that are doing really well and they were all presenting at this conference, they're telling you that they're still doing the basic blocking and tackling of trying to get their data assets together in a way that will be really meaningful so that they can move off of spray and pray marketing and just communicating around discounts and really satisfying the promise of loyalty, which is the social contract. I have your data first and zero party assets and I'm going to use it to provision out really authentic content to you. And that's what most of the brands were still focused on uh, because we've still got a ways to go in terms of getting there. And, and I think that's all good. Um, but I was hoping to hear a little bit about emerging technologies and I think we will in the future, but there's still like work to be done for many of our brands uh, before we even get to that point. And, and do you think that was kind of a reflection of some of the challenges that COVID brought, right? So everyone has their roadmap, but digital transformation is a big piece of everyone's roadmap. Uh, and it was expedited, right? So if you didn't have buy-in-line, pick-up on store, buy-in-line, pick-up curbside, some of the kind of the, the no-touch pieces, payments, uh, you know, integration of the point of sale, maybe uh, touchless payments, that, that, that brands had to focus on some of those pieces as well, that, that it, it, it maybe caused some of the disruption of maybe what was in their pipeline? Oh, yeah. And look, there are, there are labor challenges within corporate, too. Brands that were investing in innovation had to cut back or just adapt completely during COVID as well. I, I think what you said is absolutely right. And I think that brands were just challenged and they had to innovate in other ways. Um, we certainly heard about brands that were predominantly brick and mortar. COVID made them shore up their dot-com practice at hyperspeed. And so many of them really did lean into that challenge uh, and deliver. And that's a good thing because, you know, this, this, this need to have things delivered and to shop online isn't going away. How consumers like to shop and interact with brands is fundamentally altered post-COVID. Uh, I mean, there will be brick and mortar and footfall and all of that good stuff, but the mix has changed and you're going to have to deliver uh, against those consumer expectations quicker than ever before. And we're going to have to do it with supply chain challenges that may persist for a while. When you look at uh, facial recognition, I did that you brought that up. Very interesting. 
I'm not sure if you saw this week, but uh, Facebook is kind of cutting all that off. Do you think there's some concern with some of these new emerging technologies? I know you guys have some unique things that you even debuted at NRF a couple of years back. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think there's more privacy concerns right now, maybe regulatory concerns that may have kind of pushed uh, kind of the, the, the brake pedal a little bit on that? A, a little bit, but I think in some ways it's also a yes and no. Um, it's a huge investment and you have to allay concerns around privacy. There's no question about that. Yep. But, in many, but in many ways, I think some of the facial recognition technologies, if consumers know that they're secure, right, and can trust them, will actually create a more seamless experience because it's, you know, no one can replicate your biometrics. And I found it like, you know, I had to travel to the United Kingdom to our London office a few weeks ago and was there for a week and I never had to pull out. I mean, literally my face was my recognition to get in and out of the country. You know, the passport was there as a sideswipe, but it was the facial recognition that pulled me up and identified me. It was nice. I didn't have to touch as many things, you right. know, um, it was just nice and clean. And I think if we can find the sweet spot of creating secure adaptation where, where biometric solutions can actually make our credit cards safer and our identities safer and more secure, more consumers may actually lean into that. But I just don't think it's the priority right now. Excellent. And uh, last question, coming out of uh, you know some things we saw at the Loyalty Expo, do you think there's a trend or topic that brands should be focusing on? You've talked about partnership a little bit. We've talked about metrics, KPIs. Is there another trend that you think uh, brands should be focusing on? Yeah, I, there's two. Sorry, to, sorry to, to, to Sam. And I think one of them is it's about propagation of choice. And more and more, the younger the consumer, I mean, all of the voice of customer research that we've done and many other folks have done confirms this. The new expectation of consumers and members is that they want to uh, participate in programs, but they want to do it on their terms. And they want to have some say and some stake in how they earn and how they participate, how they burn. And so propagating really nice soft benefits and other solutions and giving customers a chance, hey, I can redeem for $5 off or I can redeem for a free product or I can bank my points and share them with a friend and I can donate to charity. All of those things are important. And the more choice and the more we propagate the reward constellation, the better it's going to be to empower consumers. And I think the more likely they're going to be to embrace those programs. If you are just a static do-get program, it's going to collect dust in a year or two, and it will never get the traction that something that's really innovative and incorporates the voice of customer does. And, and that's the first trend. And, and the second one is I think brands are going to have to be mindful that they need to find ways and look at what they're doing in terms of philanthropy, sustainability, equity, diversity, all of these issues that, uh, that have a lot of traction right now. And they need to find ways to work that into their loyalty mechanic or into their loyalty narrative in terms of what they deliver. And, and I predict you are going to see more and more programs, not giving customers just an option of donating their reward to charity, but making a co-earning in philanthropy part of the mechanic itself. You're going to see more folks going, yeah, I'm going to earn for myself and I'm going to pick, you know, Wounded Warrior as my charity that I can co-earn for. And I hope that we see more and more of that as brands meet their value promise, uh, that they use their programs to help customers participate in that effort and, and build good outcomes. Okay, excellent. Well, Don, as always, it's a great, uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, always insightful and love uh, you know, the insight that you bring and 
Uh, interesting to hear your perspective on the conference as well and some of the things you saw there and the trends that are impactful and you know, look forward to uh, continuing to learn more about uh, what you guys are doing and seeing in, uh, into 2022. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Uh, everyone, I want to thank you for listening as well. And please make sure you uh, join us Tuesday, November 23rd for our talk with Two Digital. So thank you very much and have a wonderful day.